Linux OTC. Welcome to episode 14. We're your hosts. I'm Bill. I'm Leo. And no Norbert. Yeah. No Norbert. He said he was sick. So we're going to talk trash about him the entire show. No, we're going to be cordial. And Norbert couldn't be with us here this evening because he is shitting through a screen door. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, yep. Either that or he got, a, he got a hold of some bad stuff. You know how it is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a good trip, though. It was good trip. Well, you pay the price in the end. That's just yeah, how it you is. Do. Young men have to learn what old men <laughs> have known for a long time. We've learned our lessons. We uh, were Norbert at a time. Oh, God. That's why I don't have much hair left. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Red Hat. I guess we'll get into it real quick, and then we'll move on. How's that sound? Because it that just... sounds good. Yeah, because it's just not going away. And, and to be the honest. The horse is dead. We were talking we're about this it. a little bit before the start of the recording, because my opinion had... I don't know that my opinion uh, has changed so much as it relates to uh, whether or not this is ethically good in the open source space, in the free software space. I think my opinion has sort of changed somewhat just based on, well, I, mean, I think somebody, you, you probably would be better off adjusting your expectations of somebody like Red Hat. And they they are a company yeah. now, regardless of of the place that they've occupied in the past. Where they are now is a company that needs to make a profit, and they rely on open source technologies. And indeed, they uh, but, commit a well, lot of open source technologies. The, the thing weren't they were profitable already? Yeah, they were currently even before the IBM acquisition. They were profitable. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Now they've got to be profitable for them and IBM. Right, they have to be more profitable. Yeah, it's it's the attack of you know profits over year they over year. Be they they have to be old money profitable. They got to be thinking the long game now. Yeah, because IBM has been around longer than computers. I... Well, they they assure us. Red Hat assures the community that. Um, it was not an IBM. This was all a Red Hat thing. From top to bottom, the decision was Red Hat. So say so. the people from IBM that moved over to Red Hat. <laughs> Maybe. Right? You know, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you can say that, yeah, no, this wasn't an IBM decision, but this is what, <laughs> this is what IBM would have done. So there you go. You know. Uh, true. But I don't... I, I choose not to hate them for it because they are just they're doing what everybody else is doing just it just comes across differently because they're open source from top to bottom or yeah. well you know they've been a part of the open source space for a long time you know but they will continue to contribute to all of these projects that we Honestly, we wouldn't be where we're at right now, no matter what distro you're using, if it wasn't mm. for Red Hat with with projects like uh, Pulse Audio and and iteratively um, 
What's the new one? Pipewire. And Wayland. Wayland. And HDR. Apparently we need Wayland. Um, well, wait, why, why you say it like that? Hold on. What do you mean? <laughs> what, what do you mean we need Wayland? I, well, because I'm not convinced yet. You know, I, I, I'm told that it's better, but I don't see... I don't see really how it's better. I mean, it. I'm, well, it's not I'm better not, for you yet. When I try to run it and do the things I need to do, I have to make concessions, you know, for a lot of things that just have worked a certain way for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then when you try to make those things work under Wayland, you have to you have to add two or three steps to the process. Now I understand, mm-hmm. you know, that's. That's part of moving forward, you know, is finding ways of, of overcoming these problems. But, you know, it's not like we're addressing these problems and then moving on to the next thing. You know, we're trying to do a whole bunch of little things at the same time. And, yeah. you know, Wayland has been crawling towards uh, successful adoption on the Linux desktop for so long, you know. And then yeah. you, you, you've got... Uh, distribution developers like Clem that uh, is just kind of sitting back, I have to assume, and waiting for this to become something that actually works in a way that Linux Mint users would expect it to work. Yeah, yeah. And And, uh, Debian 12, mm. is that Wayland by default? Yeah, well, it would have to be if it's GNOME, but um, I'm fairly certain... Yeah, uh, I think I'm, it is because I installed dude, it. I'm on running it TV. in like four different places, but I don't know. Uh, I didn't actually check. I'm fairly Hold certain on, it is. I don't know about the KDE version, but that's that's really not their flagship version anyway. I know Arch. If you install KDE on Arch, you're running it by yeah. default. If you install GNOME on Arch, you're running it by default. That should come as no surprise to anybody, but. Uh, yeah, I want to say I want to say at least the GNOME version. Right, I think it is. Right, and Ubuntu is no doubt Wayland first. You know. Right, right. So enough of the problems have been overcome. You know, but are we all the way there yet? Does it take? You know, sometimes I think. To get these things to work right, it takes a little bit of a technical mind, maybe not ready for mainstream all the way yet, but it's starting to feel like it never would have been ready for mainstream unless they started putting people in front of it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same with Pulse Audio, though. Yeah. I mean, it didn't work for absolutely everybody before Debian. I mean, and I I keep bringing up Debian because it it tends to be a slower distro. Um, Used it. So... It seems to be that's when things are just start to be fine. I don't know, because people still complain about Pulse Audio. So it's, it's never going to be perfect. No, I mean, it's still wonky. I still have weird things that happen sometimes. Um, and then, I don't know, some of the tooling around it is kind of archaic. Um, but I guess it gets the job done a lot better nowadays than it used to. You, I mean, how many times a day did we used to have to execute pulse audio tech k <laughs> you know just yeah, to... i never really did i did it i do that one time uh when i had to force uh the frequency that that's pretty much it like because it was 
44,100 or 48,000, right? Oh. Hertz. And then, like, sometimes during my, my recording sessions, like, it would crash and it would fail down to the other one, but it would make it sound like I got slowed down because, I mean, technically I did. The, 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 the rate slowed down. So, um, yeah, I would, I would make that change, force it to 44,100 all the time, and then, and then it would be, it would be fine. But I, I would have to issue Pulse Audio K to make that change without having to reboot. I think the majority of times I had to do it were probably when I was switching from just regular speakers to something running off the HDMI oh, directly wow, yeah. to a TV or something like that. Yeah, I never um, really had an issue with that. And I don't know, that could have been just that hardware. You never know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's so many edge cases. And, I mean, there's only a finite amount of manpower to be able to handle all that stuff. But, anyway, back to Red Hat, right? That's where they come in. That's why they do all the heavy lifting. And that's why yeah. it is okay that they did what they did, right? I don't the, see again. I don't know that, that it's But that's okay. why... That, Listen, but that's what you're saying, Bill. You're I'm saying, saying that you're that fully behind the decision. I, I am. I, I'm nothing <laughs> if not pr pragmatic, I think, that it's just not going to do any good. It's also not going to do any good to try to come up with crazy ways of trying to circumvent, you know, any kind of limitations they put in place, you know. Well, that's where Rocky's at, right? That's, yeah. that's what they have come out and that's said they're going to do. That's what their CIQ live stream uh, was about, that they are going to forge ahead. <laughs> They're doing all they can to be one-to-one, -one, bug for bug compatible with Red Hat. Um, and I think it's going to be a game of cat and mouse because they're out here pulling um, uh, pulling sources from like cloud instances and things like that. So I can see how that's technically perfectly fine and they might get away with it for a while. Um, at what point, though, is it just not worth being dodgy like that and oh just, hold on hold on now you said no it's fighting words that's dodgy in the enterprise space i would say so yeah ah okay okay i, can I mean see that. If, if somebody was building a distro like that just you know making it available on distro watch or something like that then that's one thing but these are people that are that are claiming to have the bug for bug compatible operating system of rel yeah. which has an op has a reputation for uh being reliable in the enterprise space now what could happen is they start building this from some from some shaky way of taking the universal base image and then extracting extracting what you need from that and when things start to get a little bit bumpy then that could I could see how that could hurt or it could be perceived as hurting Red Hat's reputation. And I can see how Red Hat could probably come in because everything that's done all you have to do is say that this is a copy of Red Hat. I mean that's their whole shtick. This is a copy of Red Hat. Well then it's Red Hat. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the little pictures are at the corner of the screen. This is everybody <laughs> knows this is a this is Red Hat for free. So if something goes wrong with this it must mean that there's something wrong with Red Hat. Well, and that's when you buy support from Rocky, right? That's 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 their whole thing. That's is I, not I, just that they're bug for bug, but then you buy the support from Rocky, which is considerably cheaper than Rel. Well, and, and I just want to highlight what you just said, 
it's considerably cheaper. <laughs> it is. So for not big enterprises without deep pockets, it's hard to afford sometimes. So why not, if we are going to be, if we're going to argue at the top of our lungs that this is not open source, that these are, you are not being a good steward of the free software ecosystem, why not use CentOS Stream that way you are contributing back to that open source ecosystem. Well, it's not the same. It's not, I, but can, I think can that's it all, work? That's, it probably could, but I it's do. not the same. Like, if you wanted a vanilla ice cream cone and you got a chocolate ice cream cone, I mean, you'd, you'd eat it, maybe, if you like chocolate, but just because they're both ice cream cones doesn't make it the same. So, I would probably adjust your analogy a little bit to. They're both ice cream. They're both they're cold. They're both ice cream. They both go but, down. And they're it's a both lot of sugar vanilla. In both. They're both vanilla. You're just paying a lot more for one of them. <laughs> yeah, the vanilla I mean, happened to be four times as much. But I, I, I mean, that's what what I'm getting at is if we are criticizing people for not being good stewards of open source, then why are we not using the software that's doing the contribution then? This is this is what they've brought. This is what RHEL themselves, and indeed RHEL might even come up with more tiers to their uh, free offering, you know, just to make up for some of this, depending well, I th on... I think, I think uh, I don't know if it was Rocky or Alma. They weren't forthcoming, uh, or Oracle for that matter. I don't know. But uh, Red Hat did, or at least some of the employees of Red Hat did come out and say, there are contributions. Alma, Rocky, Oracle, I don't know which mix or all, uh, were contributing to CentOS Stream to fix things upstream. But it wasn't enough. And therefore, they went ahead with the decision. So it's not that they weren't contributing, they just weren't contributing enough to justify their existence. And and I have to believe it's just Oracle because I I really I'm mm, I, this is just me spitballing, <laughs> but I feel like Oracle's really the only company out there making cash hand over fist with this uh with with the old way with just the the CentOS GitHub thing being out there. And being able to re-roll your own distro based on it. Yeah. I can't imagine Alma and Rocky are just rolling in it. So yeah, I don't think well, it was they them. Were... Or Springdale. And nobody even knows Springdale's name. So that's how I know Springdale doesn't make a whole lot of money. They kind of came out of nowhere when when the drama st stirred up, you know. And it, Who, Springdale? All of them, really. No, they Alma been... and Rocky. Oh, and, <laughs> I mean, they the developers didn't. Oh, right, but, right, right. But the uh, the brands kind of spun up out of nowhere when, as soon as Red Hat. But that's the way it works. As soon as Red Hat announced that we're changing CentOS to basically a completely different. I say it's a completely different thing. I've installed it right next to Rel, and I'll be damned if I can tell the difference between the two of them, except the way they look, and maybe maybe CentOS has gotten slightly newer stuff in it i don't know i well, that's, it just that's does the not... difference right it's slightly newer so you can't <sighs> you can't guarantee it's not binary fedora, compatibility though. between centos and 
Red Hat, or RHEL 9.2 is what it currently is, right? Yeah, like, that, I wish somebody the... would come out with a real example of why that is so important. Give me an example of a piece of software that just will not run unless it is compiled against a version of whatever the heck on Janky on proprietary stuff, man, requires very specific <sighs> libraries in very specific forms, and without them, they just don't work. So let's worry about the proprietary stuff and, and get out our pitchforks so that those people can have it easy. I mean, you say that, but Linux runs the internet, man. And whether it's on proprietary yeah. stuff or not, it doesn't really matter. Linux sits on top of the heap because of the fact that you can do that. So you are you are unshakable in your opinion that this was wrong from top to bottom. I don't think that, it was wrong from top to bottom. I think well, that's fine to do what they did. I think they're with well within their rights. I mean, even uh, the SFC has come out and said... There's nothing extremely tangible that we can poke at here, but mm -hmm. there also have not been court cases because the only buddy and the only person with the pockets deep enough to do it is Oracle. So, I mean, a little part of me was like, hopefully Oracle does something just, just to test it, just to see is it or is it not legal under the GPL? Those things have not been tested in court. So we don't fully for sure know. We think they are because Red Hat says they are and no one has challenged them on it. I thought maybe it would I thought maybe Oracle forgot that they had a Linux distro and this reminded them, Oh yeah, we've no. got a we've got a distro. What's it based on? Well, as soon as Red Hat made those changes, Oracle was like, Do we have a Linux distro? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> this this woke them up. Oh yeah. no, we're gonna have to do work now. No, that ain't gonna work. Yeah, I ju I just think, man, like doing something for 20 years and in the middle of a cycle they did it again the centos move was already bad enough right changing it uh you know killing centos 8 and then moving everything to centos stream in the middle of a cycle that was just not cool that was Could bad they, and the can communication... they do that sure like are they well within their rights to do that of course they are they own it all so they do what they want but the just it was not cool just simply because people have already migrated out if it was within the first couple of weeks of it being released i get that but man it it had been out for almost a year right something like that mm -hmm. and you know so people have migrated to it then they pull out the rug, and then people have to figure out what to do, right? Go back to 7, move to Ubuntu, Debian, um, just go to stream, which is very unknown at the time. Is it the same? Is it not the same? Is it binary compatible? I don't know. So, you know, they had real tough decisions to make at the time. And then a year later, they do something extremely similar in the middle of a cycle, right? Are they, are they well within their rights to do so? Of course they are, because they own it all and they can do what they'd like. But man, if it's not two gut punches to, I mean, the community. They must have decided that what that what goodwill they'll lose was less of a sacrifice oh, than yeah. what they what they could stand to lose. Uh, in terms of money and that, and you know, this is uh, this is just one more story that reminds us of the difficulties of making money in open source. 
Yeah. You know? and, and, and that's what it was. It, it was a decision to make more money. It was calculated. They knew at least roughly how big the Alma and Rocky communities are, how, how much Oracle hurts them. And I suppose in a couple of quarters, we're going to figure out just how much money they did make and where things are going to land. Because right now, we're still choppy waters because Alma Linux has decided they're no longer going to be one-to-one binary compatible uh, with, uh, with RHEL. They're going to be best effort. And that's cool. And Rocky has said that they're, they want one-to-one binary compatibility. They want that bug-for-bug uh, compatibility, uh, but OpenSUSE decided they were going to fork Rel, and they went and stood over in Rocky's corner, and <laughs> they brought ten million dollars with them. And by the way, they said uh, ten million or more. So ten million is the absolute bare minimum amount of money they're willing to throw into the enterprise space to be able to make a clone that will compete against Red Hat. So. Before they had Seuss out there doing their thing, right? They they were close, but they weren't exactly compatible with Rel, right? They were doing their own thing. And then they had Oracle to worry about, which was compatible, right? So they had one real rival in the space. Now they have two. So <laughs> I Frenemies? So if it costs ten million dollars to copy somebody else's work, how much would it cost? Just no, it to... costs no money besides the development time to stitch it all together to put that together. This is ten million dollars of future development to make sure that it doesn't go away. So, mm. I mean, I'm just wondering how much it would cost to come up with something else that you could offer the marketplace. Yeah, but and... coming up with something else is not the point. Like. We have Debian. If you want something else, if you want something stable, if you want something that'll last you 10 years and you don't have to jump through hoops and subscribe to get that, you we already have it. We already have something else. But mm-hmm. a lot of people in the enterprise space are not looking for something else or they'd already be on Debian or on SUS, SLES, whatever it is. Um, they would be there already. They're looking for the enterprise distro, which, like it or not, is rel they're looking for rel and they're not looking to pay rel prices so that's the conundrum and rel has said or red hat has said uh those guys in so many words i suppose uh those those people that are looking for cheap rel are not worth our time yeah <laughs> so i mean but that's it's worth big business time. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, they're European, aren't they? They've got a different way of seeing the world. It's not scorched earth and and uh, well, yeah, but make Rocky as much and as you can. Weren't, uh, weren't fully any country, were they? Uh, I, I think Kurtzer is American, but I don't know. I'm saying I don't from know. the perspective think, of a company like Rel from IBM Red Hat, you know, I, they, I think the open source ideology and the free trade beyond what the GPL requires of you. I think that's the big that's my big point of contention, right? Like you can do the absolute bare minimum and let people argue about whether or not it's over the line or not. You can do that. And that is legal. But what is legal is not always what is right. And that's really my only issue with it. Yes. 
they can legally pull the rug out from CentOS 8 and go to stream. They can legally do that. Is it cool? No. They can legally shut off the faucet that allows Alma and Rocky and Oracle and whatever other clone uh, allows them to exist. They can legally do that. Is it cool? No. So legality and is it cool, man, don't always light up. Well, it seems like Fedora has learned a lesson from all this because they've announced recently that they want to work on a f- or, or come up with a framework uh, for ethical, how did they word it? Ethical telemetry. telemetry. But <laughs> ethical before we telemetry. get into it, because I, I, I just think it's funny. I know that the guys that propose the telemetry thing are not in the in the same offices all of the time with the guys that are making the decision about what to do with the CentOS GitHub repository, right? Yeah, right. I know they're yeah. not in the same rooms all the time. But man, it looks like if you're going to be a red hat property, you're going to everybody's going to trip all over themselves all at the same time. Just you might as well just shove it all into one month. That way all of the hate comes in the next month. And then hopefully after that, you're beyond it. But I think Fedora is a little bit more uniquely placed, though, because, I mean, they're a little bit closer to the community that we're a part of, though. You know, they're they're they've got their ear. You know, they're they got people on the podcast. They got people on r slash Linux and whatnot. And because uh, I think I think a lot of the real community, I think a lot of the homegrown community lives in Fedora. Yeah. And a lot of the corporate community lives in CentOS Stream. So yes. there's a stark difference, which is why you see that you don't see anybody waving the, waving the CentOS Stream flag, really. That's not a Red Hat employee. Um, going around a podcast and saying things about CentOS, right? It, it, it seems to me to be um, damage control or, you know, trying to temper uh, some of the, the the flaring opinions that are that are happening out there, right? That's really all that happens with CentOS. But with Fedora, you see people all the time, like that are part of the community, like like that are working towards something in Fedora, in the communities, on the podcasts, in the discords, all the time. The communities are starkly different. Yeah. So you're you're gonna see that's yeah you're gonna see that from and their method of Fedora. communication is completely different. Instead of making a decision. And making it final, and then chucking that over the wall at the community and saying, uh, "This is what's going to happen." Fedora, they will just announce that, "Hey, we are thinking about looking for a way to make some kind of framework for ethical telemetry." See, we this don't is going to get know. me in trouble, though. <laughs> but I mean, they they start more. It's more grassroots with. Fedora. They can yeah. start the conversation before anything, before they've written a single line of code. Uh, they start the conversation and then they they got they got all the time in the world to make decisions, change decisions, and, and even reverse this thing completely if they needed to. Yeah. And uh, which I think is is a puts Fedora in a unique category. Yeah, it's, because it's, the, the, everything comes through Fesco. Everything. The yeah. Fedora, I forget what it stands for. It's the Fedora Engineering Steering Committee. Um, and that is, everybody's elected. like, and, and it feels very Debian in that way. 
because mm-hmm. everybody's elected, and when there's somebody that just does not clash with, or, or that that clashes with the community, I mean, don't elect them again, right? But yeah, it it feels a whole lot more. Is it the same as Debian? No, but it feels a whole lot more like that kind of uh, community-driven kind of thing. But here's what's going to get me in trouble. Uh, I agree with it. But you telemet- too. Yeah, the telemetry thing. Dude, opt out, 100%. Do it. Just mm-hmm. Do it. They won't. And I think it was good to listen to the community but man, the amount of information anonymized, right? Like, like yeah. it, it, this, it was not even complete. So there was still time to ensure that everybody that had concerns about opt out um, were, I don't know, satisfied at least a little. No one's going to be cool with opt out. Uh, okay, well, I say no one, 16%, uh, last I checked, people were very cool. I'm in that 16%, I guess, uh, were very cool with opt-out. Um, but the rest, and that's a huge amount of people that were not cool with opt-out. Um, but man, I, I, the amount of information that you could have had that, that could have been anonymized, that could have been, uh, you know, no personal identifying information in it. Uh, I'll give them anything to ask for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Well, I'll, I, I I'll think, crank it all the way up. Yeah, I think, yeah. but I think a lot of people did, would too. I, I think that was really the point of contention. There was that I think a lot of the people were cool with giving Fedora all the information. They just didn't want it to be opt out. They wanted it to be opt in, right? So, um, but man, you're gonna miss so much. You're gonna miss. You're only gonna, getting a gonna slice. Miss most. Yeah. What? So that what? The reason I think. It should it it should just be opt out. Is that so much of the pie? You're getting such a small sliver of the pie by having it opt in, because um, you know people fly through the installation. Yeah. Uh, thing next 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 whatever I don't care what next 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 next. Um, you're missing so many people, so many use cases, uh, so many things you could be fixing by uh, essentially not listening to those people because they're never going to write a bug report the people that are next 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 thing through they don't got time for that so um yeah i mean you got to scoop that up somehow and doing that in the most absolute anonymous way possible is is great is it should be encouraged i think we should be there uh because linux could be in a slightly better place if we did yeah, I want to see Fedora do this. I want to see him do it well, and then I want to see him do it in a way that builds something that can be used anywhere because I think you're going to get a way different data set from Fedora than you would with, like, Ubuntu or Mint or whatever, and we need all of that yeah. data to know where yeah. to focus resources and things like that. Like I said, I'll give them anything about anything that they want and you don't have to anonymize that much for it. I mean, I go on, I go on a podcast to talk about things I use and, well, and yeah, this stuff, but, you know, so. Um, yeah. But this, this is stuff I'm willingly talking about. Right. Yeah, right. Like, mm, anonymize it, please. You're, you're going okay, further than you I what, am. Just anonymize it, please. Anonymize the stuff I use LibreWolf for. There you go. Let's just <laughs> anonymize that. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man! And w- w- whenever uh, I'm running Mozilla VPN, you know, let's just anonymize that. But yeah. beyond that, I, I thought <laughs> I thought one of the the suggestions was cool, and it, it hadn't occurred to me um, when I was reading through the Fedora proposal um, that you don't do either. The choice is neither. Yet you have to make a choice, but by default, it's neither. So if you think about, right, the radio buttons, opt in, opt out. Neither radio button is selected. You have to select one before you can move on. Yeah. I think that that's probably the best split the difference kind of way to do it, man. Yeah. Um, Seems like it should have been that way like from you the beginning. Well, yeah. Well, sure. But it hadn't occurred to the Fedora folks either because it wasn't even a choice. So I'm going to guess that it hadn't occurred to a whole lot of people. And you know the example this may be why it hadn't occurred to anybody. Do you know what example was used to originally bring that point up? The only thing I can think of is like popularity contest because that you have to give an answer with that. Nah, people were mad about that too. It was an Apple iOS screenshot. <laughs> and I think that says a lot about Apple, but it also says a lot about Fedora and me and everybody else that it never even occurred to us that not making a decision might be the best decision and letting people, forcing people, you have to choose one to move on uh, is the right way to go. I think that's the, that. so opt out of, I mean, do it. But if you're not going to do it, then this is it. Yeah. This is the one. Just don't make an explicit choice for anybody and force them to opt in or opt out. Gosh, it just the seems obvious, the difference you're going to get. I know, right? Yeah. And I thought the same exact thing. Like, why do you have to fill in a radio button for somebody in the first place? You don't. I think it just we are conditioned as I think I honestly from people that that uh uh that come from proprietary software, man. I think a lot of those decisions are already made for you. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe maybe it just didn't occur to us because it's it's not normal. Well, fundamentally, the, 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 the whole way the whole next, next, next thing works is the reason it works that way is because there is a choice selected by default and you just have to accept that choice. Right. Exactly. And that's what I mean. Yeah. That's, we're just used to it. So it never occurred to us that not making a choice was an option. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But uh, I, I hope them all the best, man. Seriously. Uh, I, I think... Telemetry is really the only way that you're going to get the opinion of the majority of people. Because think about it, right? How many how, how many of the thousands, if not millions, of Fedora users? Okay, millions might be a stretch, but <laughs> you know, thousands of Fedora users are actively on the forum, mm. actively submit bug reports. That's probably pretty slim are actively on the mailing list, yeah. right? Like, you get such a slim piece of the pie when you don't scrape up the telemetry, man. It, it, and it's unfortunate for those people, for the, for the big piece of the pie, right? It's unfortunate for them uh, because a lot of the stuff just never makes it to the, the steering committee's ears to make the change. It's probably fair to say that there's more Fedora users contributing then there would be something like ubuntu or or uh i don't know 
something something a little bit more uh, easy and user friendly. You probably have more I don't people. Know. I feel like a boot. Wait, hold on. You're saying Fedora is easy and friendly? No, I, I'm saying that Fedora, the people that use Fedora are probably more likely to be participating in forums and uh, filing bug reports oh, I than see. people that yeah. are using something like Ubuntu. Or... I've, I, uh, maybe. I think people using Ubuntu, they do enough to go looking for solutions to problems. But, you know... That's probably the because when I go looking for solutions to problems um, for Ubuntu based distributions, it's almost always in a forum somewhere where somebody was looking for a solution and then one person was coming up with solutions for dozens of other people. Yeah. So I wonder if being that, I mean, it just we kind of expect Fedora users to be at least on an intermediate level in terms of their technical chops with Linux, you know, uh, if they're, I guess so, but I don't, I don't know that that makes them more likely to file a bug report though, or to, to log in with an account to the forum. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not that kind of person, right? Like I'll just go to Reddit. Like <laughs> I'll post my question there. Well, I mean, that's where um, most of your search results are going to end up anyway. At least for the well, time being. Yeah, I was going to say, might, right? That might start to get a little looking, diluted here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's where Lemmy comes in, man. Yeah. Dude, Lemmy is already pretty decent, I think. I've um, given it's got that a lot a of technical folks. And, yeah, and the cool thing about something like Lemmy is your information on there is going to be up to date uh, more than likely. Oh, right, you yeah. Know what well, because, yeah, you're missing the, the what, the 10 years right. of Reddit? No, oh, actually, no, it's longer than that. It's like 15-something years, maybe, mm-hmm. um, of Reddit backlog. Um, but, man, I have, to, I have to wonder just how long they are going to find it profitable to keep that going. Because it wasn't profitable in the first place, apparently, because they're making all these changes. Um okay i mean just five years the first five years are just gonna hack it off i don't know i think it depends on how much expectation you have for profit i mean the some of these companies are just wanting gonna be publicly traded companies man that's that's priority one yeah ibm red hat publicly traded priority one red hat will be publicly traded priority one twitter is private now but yet still kind of swirling <laughs> downhill yeah somebody on lemmy speaking of lemmy um said that you know they're kind of happy that threads came out and they're kind of happy that threads is eating twitter's lunch because uh twitter is the worst of two evils and i had to comment back like man what a world we live in where you got meta and you got twitter and you're saying twitter is the the worst <laughs> Who saw of the that two. coming? <laughs> what a world, man! Wow, and I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily fully agree there, but I mean, ah, uh, man, there are there are slices of Twitter that do not belong uh, anywhere. <laughs> the the people that I know, of course, Twitter is not as popular in the Midwest as it is in some other places, just, you know, for cultural reasons and that. But the- well, I feel like the coasts are more chronically online. Yeah. Uh, I, I just I just happen to be also chronically online, and I don't live on either coast. <laughs> well, 
the people that do use Twitter that I'm aware of, they've quit. They've quit for technical reasons. They've quit because it's become less reliable that that they'll even be able to uh, get a tweet out there and. Oh, it's it's up down. There's all yeah. kinds of limits on it now. Yeah, the API thing. I mean, they did the API thing first, and then everybody else started. Oh, wait, look. They so Twitter didn't die after they made those changes. Well, let's make them too, and then Reddit followed along, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. At six hundred posts, man, it's all you could see for a little while, and then you were like, "All right, well, that's more than enough like for to me." Show you ads, but we won't. <laughs> So, you know, the way that we make money, <laughs> we're just not going to do that. Why would we? Oh, oh, wait. Yeah. And then the uh, the restriction was removed. Because you can't see ads, can't make money. Oh, That's why I do Twitter on the web. You put uBlock Origin on there, and you still don't get no ads. Or run That's it behind Piehole. I wonder, I've never actually tried to run Twitter behind Piehole. I wonder if it would just block the whole thing. You wouldn't even no, be able to it, see it. it. It it works for most of the ads. Anything that's not served from Twitter itself uh, will get blocked. But anything that, that comes from a Twitter domain won't because Pi-hole won't block that. Hmm. Um, but that, that's where uBlock Origin comes in. Uh, not only does it remove the ad, it removes the space for the ad. So it's a seamless experience. So it's really nice. Um, and uh, same with uh, Brave on mobile. Uh, Firefox on mobile, if you can get the uBlock Origin uh add on in there yeah i've got that uh, you can it log into these really places well. and yeah you can log into these places and have no ads it's kind of nice i've actually replaced a couple of news apps with the uh firefox running uBlock origin and because yeah. the news ads yeah. uh i could run it through piehole through wireguard or whatever and block the ads but you still have the space and you've got this awkward garbage yeah. you know in its place which i don't know that that's any better um at least you don't see an ad uh. yeah right um but on the other hand really a lot of those apps are just wrappers for the websites themselves and maybe oh, a little right. bit yeah better notification integration but i don't yeah, use any of those that's the one anyway. thing that i do miss on on mobile is notifications uh, i don't know when people talk to me so you just got to wait for me to get back on the web. <laughs> mm, like the old days. Sorry? Like, yeah, really, really. It, uh, before push notifications were ever a thing. Yeah. Back when I had to fire up the 56K modem and get on America Online. and You better you believe got it. Mail. I still have a thousand hours. <laughs> they keep sending me the discs, man. They're still on AOL 10.0. You can you better believe still it. download the software. You can still run it on... Dude, Basically. AOL's still posting profit. Yeah. Like, year over year, profit. What? Why? And it's it's because people that learned how to use the internet in the 90s uh, are still around and still use the internet in the exact same way they learned in the 90s. So they're still paying. Probably 15 bucks a month. That's what it ended up being before, like, the regular internet. Well, you still got to have before you had more regular options. internet, but this is just kind of a gated garden right. that sits on right. top of it, so it doesn't make any sense to me. I re- and that, that's what's so that's what's so uh, surprising that AOL is still around because they don't 
provide anything other than a familiar interface. That's all they provide now. So weird. I wonder about the other ones, the esoteric ones like Net Zero Net and Zero. Juno. I knew you were gonna say it. Yeah. yeah. What was the other one? Man, you know there was uh back in the day, um, the free tier of Net Zero. It, nothing actually happened at the very beginning, but eventually they got to the point where they started serving up ads, and it was basically this little application that had to live on your screen. Yeah. <laughs> that showed that cycled through ads all the time, right? And it was always on top. You couldn't, you couldn't, whatever. But there were um, there were hacks for it. Yes, there were uh, modifications where you could, at the very least, you could push it behind stuff. And there were other uh, modifications that uh, would just straight up kill the app, but leave the internet connection running. So uh, yeah, you better believe um, I, I I have a very strong aversion to ads because of the way that I was introduced to ads in the first place. And I get it, man. They got to they gotta eat. But, man, we got we to gotta find a different way than ads, I think. That, the, the Internet's moving that way. The Internet is moving to a, a like, ad-free, because it's the API thing, right? Like, they're, they're charging a lot of money. So they're trying to make money without ads. I don't know. I don't know. It takes a fundamental shift in just the way people use the technology, I think. Um, but I think you're right. I think we we are starting. But, well, they were kind of forced into it, I think, because more and more people were starting to use ad blockers, and, and it was easier to get them up and running. Uh, and so companies, I imagine, had to take good long look at that and think well we're not getting the kind of data that we probably once did you know maybe we can come up with something different yeah it's unfortunate it's ads i hate them yeah i don't don't mind the i don't mind the regular ones man the ones that sit off to the side that don't bother you that don't move those are fine yeah they're fine but just stay right there and look pretty Uh, yeah I'll scroll right past you. That net zero thing. You know, thing. you'll get the impression, and uh, maybe you'll get a penny off of that, and I hope you do. There you go. <laughs> but if that ad moves, I'm killing it. That net zero thing, you would get, like, what, a half an hour a day of free internet or something like that. It, there was a time limit. But it just, it was very, very basic, and it went off the system clock. And I had a script. Oh. I had me a script <laughs> that would like reset the system clock i mean it was jank but i mean it kept me online that's cool and see it's a good thing that back in the day https wasn't ubiquitous right yeah because then that would have broken those websites yes (laughs) but you know i was using your clock is weird uh no i was using stuff like the mozilla browser and stuff like that in those days and yeah back when it was called phoenix you better believe i jumped on that Oh yeah. I'm trying to remember the timeline because Mozilla had like a browser uh chat client and email client put together. It's been rebranded mm-hmm. into a project called SeaMonkey yeah, now. Yeah, they're broken out. Yeah. Um but I remember it just being called Mozilla and it had the little dinosaur symbol yep. on it. If I remember it was Netscape Navigator. Yeah. Then it was Phoenix, then it was Mozilla, then it was Firefox. And I think if I remember correctly, I think that was when when they started Mozilla is when they started the tabbed browsing. And that was somewhere around there. It it was 
it was just single window browsing up to that point. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, my God, it's kind of a game changer. I mean, it it was not as impactful. What an innovation. Yeah. Oh, gosh. All these all these websites in one window, whereas before I had my that bottom pane on my Windows XP, the the green or what color was that? Gray or no, blue. It was blue. Just yeah, the, lined the, up from the end to bar end. itself was yeah. blue, and then the start button itself was green. I remember yeah. thinking, man, that's pretty. But you could make it silver. The, yeah. if, if you had, uh, I don't think it was default. I think you had to actually buy something extra for the, like, before Service Pack 2 or something. Um, you had to buy something extra to get the other ones because there was, like, a crystal version of the blue and green one. Uh, so it was nice and Web 2.0 and all that. Um, and then there was a silver one. That one may have been shipped, but the crystal one definitely wasn't. I think that one came with, um, you could get like Windows XP Plus. I think they still shipped Plus <laughs> back in the day uh, on XP. Windows XP Or you could Pro. get the, Yeah, well, that was, I think it was a media center thing. So they had Windows XP Media Center. came with a remote and oh, everything. Oh, God, Media Center. Um, I remember yeah, trying to run that, and my computer just folded up like a cheap tent. <laughs> I mean, that was a behemoth piece of software yeah. for the machines of the time. Yeah. And then Cody, well, XBMC mm. came along. And now, now that's Cody. So, uh, fantastic. We, we, can, we can handle, yeah, it is. We can handle, uh, media software now, I guess, on our modern Celerons. <laughs> modern Celerons. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Did, uh, you, did you, speaking of Celerons, um, did you see Intel is dropping the I? Yeah. Now? Yeah. It's supposedly less confusing now because they, how? Uh, you tell me, we'll both know, because... It, Listen, man, I never knew what the I was, but it didn't really matter, uh, because the thing that mattered was the number, and I guess now they're just doing the number, there's three, five, and seven, and nine, yeah. still, I don't think they're changing that, but how does that make any sense, other than number bigger, that's that's literally the only thing, Seems and, like and the, for some reason, they enjoy odd numbers. The one thing that the, that they are doing also is, instead of calling the GIMPT processors pentiums and celerons they're going to be included oh is there going to be i1 now or a one well those are those are going to be because it's going to be like the i5 and then the i5 max or i5 ultra or something like that oh you're kidding yeah how is that in any way better (laughs) so if you get the i5 you're getting a pentium what used to be the pentium or the i3 you're getting the pentium and then if you get the i3 don't quote me they did it again it's some word like ultra or something like that something just dude they scooted the entire market down yeah again dude pentium used to be what you wanted right the the pentium 2 with mmx technology like that was top of the heap and now if you go out and buy a pentium you're getting the trash man like that's a 300 dollars laptop and that thing is probably made fully of plastic that will break in the next 30 days i've got one like, one, of the one one of the hps i take on the road's got the pentium and it's quad core and what it seems to me it feels like a gimped i5 because it's Anything with quad cores and eight gig of RAM should have virtualization technology built in, and it oh, absolutely it does not. No, I don't even think I could run Docker on it. So you uh, could run Docker. Docker is not virtualization. Oh, well, unless you're I'm, on Windows, in which case it is. I don't know if it. I, I always assumed it needed that 
to share nope. kernel space with uh, user space. I don't know. Whatever. Not in Linux. No. Okay. Um, yeah, so feel free, man. Yeah, throw Docker on there. Have some fun. Run all the stuff. But KVMs and VMware and yeah, no known boxes, boxes and no go. So that's that. but in Windows, if, in Windows, if you're trying to run Docker, you will end up running it in a VM because you have to run it through WSL2, which is a Linux VM. So oh, that's just a lot of on nonsense. Windows. It is virtualized, and you would not be able to do it with that Pentium uh, if it doesn't support virtualization. But no, there you go. Enough, you can do it on a Mac. But no, you're not going to know that you've got anything bad now because it's going to have basically the same label. Yeah, yeah. It but that's, just that's won't what have I mean. the like, ultra That's how they the got end. away with selling people Pentiums. That's how they got away with uh, that those first few generations of Pentiums. People thought they were buying something good, and they weren't. And then with the i3, i5, i whatever, if they're going to change that up, man, they're doing it again. Where the i3 was just a less cored version of the i5, but, you know, basically the same chips inside. And they're going to change that now. So I'm looking so at an Ars could, Technica article right here, and it says... Okay, it's clarify gonna be, this for me. Yeah, it's going to be... I have a lot of hate now. The, the good ones, the good ones are going to be called the Core Ultra 5, the Core Ultra 7, and the Core Ultra 9. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so which ones are the trash ones? So it's just the core five and the oh. core seven and the core nine so they, they didn't clarify anything no taking the eye away doesn't do anything it to clarify anything if you ask me the fact that you're yes. getting a piece of junk processor it does because it said five and five used to be good and what well, <laughs> yeah, that was presumably five is still good but apparently it may or may not be so you know they're following apple dude the Max and the Ultra and the Pro and the whatever, dude. Th this that's this is some Apple copycat. And it's that they're doing something with the numbering too. But I can't wait until they come out with like a Core M, so they can they can be like, yeah, it's an M just like Apple. Yeah, this I mean, that's our... a Core M three. It's one more than Apple has. It's yeah. I'm look yeah they did away with the 3 altogether it looks like it's just going to be 5 7 and 9 See what I okay so, all right well that that's that's slightly less bad but what what I said they were doing to the 3 they're doing to the 5 which is yeah. not cool because you can buy a core and I want to say i but it's not but core 5 and it still be trash Yep Huh So there you have it Okay uh yeah, there I won't have it because I'll no, just buy AMD. AMD. Yep. Ryzen. I, think. I, I don't know that AMD is playing those shenanigans. Are there are their tiers any more intelligible? Nah, not really. But they're not playing these. Well, you can get a Ryzen five, but it's actually just a Pentium. At least they have mm. the decency to call it something else, you know. Instead of it's it's either a Ryzen seven or a Ryzen nine. Um, or do, what is their like lower tiered three? processor? They have a three. I mean, they? they they pulled an Intel. They they copied Intel with the three, five, seven, yeah. and nine thing. Um, but I I don't know of uh they they still call their lower tier Athlon. Oh, okay. So There's that's still what Athlons I was... out there. Yeah. Okay. 
And, so you know, that's unfortunate. They did the same thing, right? Like where Pentium used to be the top tier. So did Athlon. Athlon used to be what you wanted. Athlon was a thing that was mopping Intel up back in, what, 2004, 2002, something like that. When Intel was like, oh, God, we better innovate. And then, I mean, they did, and they won. But <laughs> now, uh, I think the Steam survey says more people using Ryzen to game than Intel. Interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. But like I said, that's that's a completely different word. That's a completely different name. You know you're getting a different processor yeah. if you're getting an Athlon versus a Ryzen. Oh, right, yeah, you know, right, exactly. But un- not- until AMD decides to do what Intel is doing and obfuscate the market again. Let's hope and that doesn't happen. But yeah, I this this I is will, just I will be very unhappy with AMD, but they're really the only choice I have. So <laughs> they are. I can't run too far. Otherwise I'll run right into a Mac. <laughs> oh God help us. Welcome to MacCast. MacCast. Well, that you doesn't even come out of the it. mouth. <laughs> you better believe it. Oh, uh, we better get out of here. Um let us know what you think show at linuxotc.org uh, hit us up on the socials what few of them we have what few I hope of them I left. ruffled some feathers today yeah let us know what you think of this this red hat thing um, and the fedora telemetry and the fedora thing, thing oh, the telemetry that's the thing. thing I'm I mean I feel like most of the community agrees with me on the red hat thing uh, I feel like none of the community agrees with me on the fedora thing <laughs> I think you might be surprised I, I think that people 16 percent. I, I I want to believe that more people, when they t- actually sit down and think of it, they're like, well, yeah, you know what? I want these people to know that I'm using this thing so that they'll make it better. Yeah. You know? That's because, how I see it. So. I mean, I'll, I'll opt in. If you if you opt to me, if it's an opt in, I'll opt in. That's fine. I would just rather not think about it. And you yeah. just take it. There you go. There you have it, kids. We'll see you in yeah. two weeks. Till then, I've been Bill. <laughs> I've been Leo. Oh, I said it. No. No. Yeah, you did. And now I'm going to clip it and copy it and use it again. (sighs) See you, kids.